0: The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we got a regular, a regular on our show. This is the great Sean Smith from all the way up in Canada whose company is Don't Dis My Ability, which advocates and counsels and helps out all of us whose brains might be a little bit different. And as you're soon gonna hear, Sean Smith's brain is a lot different. Sean, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Hacky. Thanks for having me back.
1: For those who have not seen you on Exploring Different Brains before and those who are not familiar with you, why don't you introduce yourself?
0: Sure. I'm Sean Smith. I'm the founder and CEO of Don't Dis My Ability. I'm a counselor and psychotherapist by trade, and I specialize in the emerging field of neurodiversity. Um, and to me, neurodiversity, the term, I guess, uh, represents a group of individuals with a disability label for whom the term disability doesn't quite fit because our assets exceed any deficits we experience. And I'm unique in the way that I identify as being neurodiverse. And I specialize in, in working with neurodiverse individuals and their families in a lot of different capacities. Um, so my, my form of neurodiversity is ADHD and attentive type. I was diagnosed at the ripe age of 30. And prior to my diagnosis, it took me four years to finish three years of high school. 32 attempts during 18 credits required to graduate, including failing grade 10 math four times. I managed to get snuck into college to play football, brought my grades up. I did eventually graduate with a bachelor of arts degree in a whopping 2.3 GPA. And then fast forward to being diagnosed and uh, you know, medication basically took my brain from, my, or my thought process from dial-up to fiber-op. I went back to upgrade as a mature student, taking five courses, a new GPA of 3.7. I was accepted to the Masters of Education and Counseling Psychology program at the University of New Brunswick in 2010 and graduated a year later at the top of my class. So very, very unique lens through which to help people.
1: Well congratulations on all you've achieved and your inspiration to so many others with the work that you do. Now something that caught my ear last time we spoke was how when you all moved temporarily to Reno, Nevada and you became a blackjack dealer that that's when you kind of learned math with the chips and everything. Explain that. Right.
0: Uh, well, I'll, I'll correct you. It was actually in Lake Tahoe, and and the reason why the the location is significant is because Lake Tahoe is where the rich and famous go to play, right? This is this is the, there's a lot of money that that goes into Lake Tahoe in, in their busy tourist seasons, um, and and so like this is where Michael Jordan has his celebrity golf tournament. Like this is a this is a big deal, um, yeah. So I I really I. <laughs> I didn't know how to count change. I, I didn't play uh, board games. I couldn't remember sim- simple instructions. And anytime I would go to count change out of my pocket, I would just get so frustrated and, and pissed off because it would be like somebody turned out the lights and erased the process from my memory to the point I would get so frustrated and anxious that i just put it in my pocket and walk away. And of course, you know, the, having to do that over the course of, at that time, my entire life uh, caused a great deal of anxiety and depression. And then my my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, we just kind of rolled the dice, I guess, and, and decided to move to Lake Tahoe. And I just wanted to be a slot attendant. I I, I knew that I couldn't play, uh, I couldn't remember basic instructions or play games. Uh, I knew that I, I couldn't count. So I really just wanted to be a slot attendant. I just wanted to empty the slot machines, take the money to the vault, fill them back up. But because I was the English-speaking Canuck, uh, they really pushed me to do that. Every year, there were about uh, well, at that time there were about 2,000 Polish people that would migrate uh, to Lake Tahoe to account for the big tourist boom. And a big part of gambling, <laughs> from the casinos' perspective, is to get people to forget why they're there in the first place, which is to lose their money. And so, having somebody who, <clears throat> excuse me, who speaks English uh, to that to them was very important. Uh, and so, they really pushed and pushed me to do that. And it really was a, a huge catalyst and shift in my thinking because I had something tactile to manipulate and I was able to chunk numbers up and, and work through them, you know, right in front of me with the poker chips. I was then able to do the mental math in my head, whereas before there was no context. So I wasn't able to to put something together in my head in a coherent way that made sense that I could transfer in, in, into something in front of me that, that would have worked, um, you know, so and it really started to, I really started to kind of question and, and challenge these things that I had learned and, and that I've been taught. You know, I grew up thinking that I was, I was dumb and stupid. You know, when, when you fail grade 10 math four times and, and you have all these tutors who try to teach me the the same thing, the same way, I, I realized why it couldn't work. You know, so here I am in, in Lake Tahoe of all places and I've got a pit boss who has no formal education in teaching yet they're able to teach me how to count when none of these other professionals could.
1: (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Reminds me of my Uncle Mo, by the way, who worked in the slots at Caesar's Palace for 25 years. And uh, Uncle Mo, just to tease me when I was growing up, he put his arm on my shoulder and said, We all knew you were going to be a failure, but we didn't think it'd be this quick. And then (laughs) he'd Now, I love family. (laughs) You know, when you, um, for those people watching who have a child, they're a parent with a child whose brain is a little bit different, who's not really succeeding, or you're the individual yourself whose brain is different. I'm watching Sean Smith. What advice do you give them in general?
0: Really, I try to challenge people's perceptions around systems and the way that things are done. You know, I, and, and a lot of it is really in, in sharing different stories uh, about myself. You know, learning to count is one, but also reading. I used to say that I couldn't read or I, I didn't read. Um, you know, the best, one of the best books I ever read was called The Gift of Therapy by Dr. Urban Yalom. And one of the reasons why I love that book is because each chapter is only three to five pages. And so when you think of the the psychology of of textbooks, you know, for somebody with ADHD or a a reading disability, you know, or even a processing disability, I I would read a few pages and I would forget what I'd read, you know? So once I read that book and just having all these aha moments, I realized it wasn't me. I'm awesome. It had to be them. You know so i I say now that it's not that I can't read or that I don't read. it's that the publishing world just hasn't done a good enough job at creating a book that holds my attention.
1: What do you have to what do you have to say about employment, which is a really big part of achieving and maximizing if you're able to your independence
0: yeah, well, I mean again for me, a big part of what I do is it's just in, in being the example, you know, I, I I self-identify as being an individual with a disability. I started my own company in 2014, and and I, I really, I boast that I've been able to do something that no other company has been able to do since 2002, which is keep me employed for longer than 18 consecutive months at a time, right? I, I waited and waited for this opportunity that never came, and then I created my own. And in and, and just a few short years, I went from, you know, being an unknown in my industry to being a national award winning entrepreneur with a disability right so it's, it's you know it's, it's just being that role model for other people to to show them how we've been able to make the impossible possible to give them a tangible example to look at and to look up to
1: well Sean Smith you've certainly been a great role model for so many and you brought up something earlier I want to touch on You said very matter-of-factly in speaking about your ADHD, and of course, when you were failing at this and that, then of course you would have anxiety, you'd have some depression. And this is what I find is lacking, is that a a recognition that none of this stuff exists in isolation. They're all comorbidities. Could you expand upon that a little bit? Sure.
0: Well, in a, in a lot of cases, I, I find it's the the classic case of what came first, the chicken or the egg. You know, is it <laughs> I think sometimes the ADHD kind of gets overlooked because these individuals are experiencing anxiety and, and depression. And so the, the characteristics that are, are common in some cases, there is a lot of overlap. But, you know, you, in a lot of cases, you can't have one without the other. Um, you know and especially when you talk about comorbidity with ADHD it's it's very rare that someone is diagnosed exclusively with ADHD oftentimes there is anxiety depression or some other form of learning disability and now what, what I find is happening a lot uh, more and more clients and individuals um, with the, who are on the autism spectrum or identify as having Asperger's are also being diagnosed with ADHD and so there's kind of a shift there because you know, I, I think the way that the, the medical system worked before, it was almost like a pity system. Like, well, we don't need to tack anything on. They've already got a diagnosis with autism, uh, of autism, right? We don't, we don't need to add anything more to that. Well, you do actually, if you, if you act, if you want to help these people and get a better understanding of their thought process. But even in that notion, in that statement, there's this implied less than mentality where. And I think I've mentioned this to you before, you know, when somebody walks through my door and, and they disclose that they have an invisible disability, the first thing I say to them is, welcome to the world of the uniquely gifted. You know, this isn't, we're not talking about what's wrong with you. This is what's right with you. So we're really challenging people and shifting their thinking of, from from being less than, than, you know, being exceptional.
1: Well, that's very well said and well put. You know, the reason I, I made the first chapter of Aspertool's anxiety is because it rules all of us. Yeah. And certainly, when you have a part of your brain that's different and making a bigger challenge for the other parts of your brain, uh, that's going to be amplified. Um, tell us some of your latest projects, Sean.
0: Geez, Hacky, i well.
1: I know I you have ADHD, so you're doing a million at one time. Sure, yeah. right,
0: and, and you know that's it's, it, and I make a point of kind of bring that up, you know, because I have a unique understanding of my thought process and, and how my brain works. I know that I can't do the same thing all day, every day. I get bored and then I get resentful. So I'm constantly finding uh, innovative partnerships or people find me uh, to collaborate, collaborate on different projects. So uh, right now we're rebranding the, the podcast, which is exciting. Uh, I've got 15 confirmed guests, including yours truly, which is, will be a great honor. Uh, I've got my parenting program that I'm, I'm working on. So I'm developing an online parenting course for parents, grandparents, and caretakers of neurodiverse children. Um, you know, and that's, those are, those are the ones I'll talk about now. I've got a few more coals in the fire, but I'll wait until they're, uh, they t- take off a little bit more before I share them. Have you written any books? You know, Hacky, I, I started, uh, I started writing two books and I think one of the challenges that I have as an individual with ADHD is that my fingers can't keep up to my brain. And so I, I've started recording more video um, and we'll eventually find someone to, to transcribe.
1: Well, I was just going to suggest that, Sean. You know, and what I do when I, when I write is I, uh, I talk into my, you know, cell phone, which, you know, writes it out for me and everything, or just make a voice file and get it transcribed. Because what's interesting, like when I wrote the movie The Square Root of Two, um, when, when I would write a scene by hand, and then take another stab at it typing it and then take another stab at it dictating it. It was like three different scenes because it uses yeah. different parts of your brain. And you have a gift for gab and I would imagine it would be much easier for you to write by talking than by writing per se. The other thing is the style comes out more the way you talk, you know, which is yeah. why Aspiratools came out the way I talk. Yeah.
0: And, and I find it's more engaging that way. Right. And that's why for the, the, um, video content I'm creating for my parenting program at first I, I started and it, and it was just going to be all written, but I, I realized th- through my work with the clients, my client, my counseling clients, and, and the success that I'm experiencing, it's because it's in person, right? You, you can't, it, it's, it's hard to develop a uh, you know, communication style and, and comfort with a person you can't see, you know, and, and I think that's what ultimately helps us do what we do and, and reach the people that we do is, you know, this it's not something that is just talked about or out there, it's something tangible for people to see.
1: And especially for you because you got the whole canadian santa claus thing going on you know
0: (laughs) i call it the urban santa or the young santa look that's what i ask my barber for when i go in give me the hip santa
1: (laughs) um for all of our different brains uh viewers and listeners and readers who want to learn more about you what's the best way for them to do that
0: well, you can check out my website www.ddmax.ca. If you are on any social media platform, you can find me there. Uh, this is another area hacky where my my unique gift has come out in the way of social media. Um, you know, so I've I've got a couple different Twitter accounts. I've got a YouTube channel, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. But now, you know, especially Twitter. Um, I wasn't busy making money, I had to find ways to invest time in myself. And so no formal training itself in in social media, but now people are paying me to help them with their social media strategy. I've got about 3,700 followers on Twitter. My 3,700 followers probably have close to 90 million. Um, It it really is incredible, uh, the reach that you can have in in sharing your own unique story. And I think it's an important message to share with people. You know, I I think People with disabilities, uh, kind of, they, they don't see the uniqueness to their story. They're so used to being put down or, or not recognized or feeling less than that they don't acknowledge that that their story is actually empowering. And there are more of us out there than people think. I compare us to X-Men, right? And and if you look at the movies, the X-Men movies, there's the comparisons are are eerie. And I have to say. You know, there, there are some days I feel like Dr. Xavier, but I find myself more and more leaning towards Magneto.
1: <laughs> well, Sean, it's been another great episode of Exploring Different Brains. Thanks to you coming back with us. Thank you for being with us all the way from Canada. Keep up the great work you're doing there at Don't diss My Ability. Sean Smith, thank you very much.
0: Anytime, Mackie. You you can get in touch with me anytime. I'd be happy to help out. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.